Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're so glad you're listening with us today. Today, we're continuing our series called God Strong. In this series, we're discovering how to become spiritually stronger by developing practical skills meant to help us grow deeper in our walk with God. So far, we've talked about the importance of reading the Word of God on a regular basis. Last week, we talked about putting prayer into practice, and today we're going to continue talking about prayer to see how we go about praying for breakthrough in our lives. Before we begin today, I also want to remind you that Erie First is regathering. We are resuming our in-person services at Erie First with new service times at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., as well as a live stream of the 11 a.m. service on Facebook and YouTube. You can find out more about the procedures we're using at Erie First by visiting eriefirst.org. We'd love to see you in person if you're in the Erie, Pennsylvania area this weekend. Okay, let's get started. Here's Pastor Nicole. We are on week three of our series um, called God Strong. So if you got a bracelet and you're wearing it, would you hold it up today? All right, it looks like this. Yeah. If you haven't gotten one, or maybe you have a friend or family member that hasn't been able to get here, I want you to get one for them on your way out today. You can grab a couple, okay? Um, the idea is that if you wear it throughout the week, or maybe you put it in your car or a place where you'll see it, it reminds you all week long uh, what we're reaching for over this series. Um, I shared with you, with you guys with this a few weeks ago that when we were going to come back to church, I said to the Lord, what do you want me to preach on? What is it that you want us to talk about? And he said, well, what would you have preached on if you could rewind time and you knew what was ahead of you was? And the Lord really showed me this particular series that I want us to get to a place where we are God strong, where we're all about being spiritually strong. So even if the normal things you do to feed your spirit, uh, like coming to church or maybe going to a group Bible study, even if you can't do that, uh, that you can be God strong because you have, have done all these spiritual disciplines. And so over these last weeks, we are looking at spiritual disciplines that we can incorporate into our lives to produce spiritual growth. And um, spiritual disciplines are regular practices that benefit our spiritual life and produce fruit. Okay, that's what spiritual disciplines are. And so we're talking about different ones. Uh, We have been talking about them in June, and we're going to go all the way through the month of July, talking about how we can be God-strong with our spiritual disciplines. Now, by themselves, spiritual disciplines can do nothing, but they get us to a place where God can do something in our life. That's what spiritual disciplines do. So they're not the means to the, they're not the goal. The spiritual disciplines isn't the goal. They're the means to the goal. They're the thing that we do so that we're transformed and that we're strong and that we're growing in our faith. And so the first week we talked about a Bible intake and knowing and understanding and reading the word of God. And last week we talked about prayer and we specifically talked about praying through scripture and how beneficial that is. And we prayed through Psalm 139. Wave at me if you finish that homework this week. All right. So someone te- uh, messaged me and said, that was a long Psalm, Pastor. <laughs> you gave us a big assignment in your first bit. If you weren't able to finish it, you could still do it this week where I encourage you to pray through that Psalm uh, verse by verse. Um, so this week we're going to continue talking about prayer, but we're going to particularly talk about uh, praying for guidance or praying for direction. 
okay? So what do we do as a spiritual discipline uh, when we're praying for guidance or direction? Because throughout our lives, in all stages, at all ages, uh, we need and want to come to the Lord for direction. We want, we have questions. We have things that we have to figure out. Okay, so let's jump in. If you're here today, and maybe for the last few months, uh, you have found yourself asking God for help with a decision, or maybe you feel stuck in some way, or maybe you're asking God, uh, what is my next step? Maybe you're feeling at the crossroads of something in particular in your life. The spiritual discipline of prayer is imperative when we are looking for guidance, when we're looking for direction, and when we're trying to discern God's voice and God's will. Okay, prayer, the spiritual discipline of it is imperative when we're at those crossroads. And so I want to read to you Jeremiah 6, 16. It says this, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. And so this Old Testament prophet is reminding us of this spiritual discipline of prayer. He is saying, if you're at a crossroads, if you're trying to make a decision, ask the Lord what is the good way. Pray and ask the Lord what is the way that you should go. Okay, so that's what he says to do when we're at a decision point or when we feel stuck. Now, something I want us to remember when we're talking about prayer is that prayer, uh, the discipline of spiritual prayer, is not about perfection. Okay, prayer is not about perfection. First of all, God isn't asking us to be perfect before we pray. Hallelujah. Anyone thankful for that? God isn't asking us to pray perfectly. Thank God for that too. Because that can feel like a lot of pressure if you have to say all the right things or have all the right tone or, or say in Jesus' name or, you know, that, all these kind of caveats. The beauty of prayer is that we can start from right where we are. And the point of prayer is not that it's perfect. The goal of prayer is not perfection, it's participation. I want you to say that word out loud today, even if all, you're all by yourself, say it to yourself, participation. It's a test, see, of your participation, okay? The goal of prayer is participation. Now, in the world of youth sports, one of the most hotly debated subjects, and in the world of the Schreiber home, one of the most hotly debated subjects is whether coaches should hand out participation trophies, okay? Now, <laughs> some people, that will remain nameless, believe that these trophies are overprotecting kids. They're giving them a false sense of success. Perhaps they, I'm sorry, perhaps they backfire um, and kids don't try as hard because they maybe expect an award no matter what. Others believe that this is a good practice to build up confident kids and, and say that their effort, uh, their effort playing, I'm getting booed this morning, affirm their effort to play. Now, did you plant someone in the audience? Um, <laughs> when it comes to the spiritual discipline of prayer, we cannot measure success based on how many times we pray and see the answer come to fruition. Okay, it's not a point system. That's not how the supernatural works. It doesn't measure things the way the world does because we don't control it. So no matter where you stand on the participation trophy debate, <laughs> when it comes to prayer... This is the trophy that you want, okay? Winning at prayer is participation, 
That's what winning at prayer is. In the book of Joshua, um, we're going to look at a passage. There's a connection between participation and direction. There's a connection between participation and guidance for your future. There's a connection. So I want to look at an Old Testament passage today to explain more of this concept of how it is vital for us to participate in prayer, to not just put our hands together when we pray, but to put our feet walking when we pray, okay? There is participation to be had when we are praying. So in the book of Joshua, we see uh, there's this group of people called the Israelites, and because of their unbelief, the nation of Israel was sentenced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, those years have now expired, and the children of Israel are poised to enter the promised land, and they're ready to claim their inheritance. And so imagine all this wandering. During these years of wandering, the promised land had become a deep yearning for them in their soul. I mean, they couldn't wait to get to the promised land. The people dreamt about the promised land. They talked about the promised land. They asked God to give them the promised land. They asked for guidance how to get there. And they were praying and praying. Their original leader, Moses, in this particular point in the scripture, had died. And they had this new leader named Joshua. And so they're finally at this moment where they have been longing for for 40 years, generations of people. And they get to so close And all that is between them, them and the promised land, all that is between them and their answer to their prayer all these years is one final major obstacle, and it's the Jordan River. So that's what we're going to look at today, Joshua 3, verse 1. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan where they camped before crossing over. So that might be a small detail, but when we really think about it, Camping before they crossed over would have been quite the sight. Okay, let me just paint your picture. Some of you are thinking about like your family camping trip, uh, which is it's just an incredible scene. Uh, but it's estimated that this group of people had grown up to 2.5 million people. 2.5 million people, plus they had their cattle, their livestock, uh, their carts, their tents. Their coolers, their grills, their spike ball. Okay, they had all the things that you take when you go camping. And all of their things were coming up. They, they were so close to the promised land. And they stopped at the edge of the Jordan River, all 2.5 million people, and they set up camp. Now, the Jordan River was in flood stage at that time. So that's what this means. It was 20 miles long, 2 miles wide, and 120 feet deep. Okay, so 20 miles long, two miles wide, and 120 feet deep. There was no way this massive group of people could cross the river on their own. They needed supernatural help. In fact, just to put it into something you might be able to relate to, I know the Gastons will. If you look, this is the city of Chicago, this picture. And (laughs) this would be like leading the entire city of Chicago across the Chicago River, but... The river's 12 times the width of that picture that you see there, 120 feet deep, safely, without a water taxi or a bridge of any kind. That would have looked and felt impossible. If you were Joshua, you would have been standing on the edge going, what I get myself into? (sighs) Because I got the city of Chicago behind me asking me what to do, 
and all I have, <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother sermon right there, right behind him, and then two miles of stretch that I have to get all these people across safely to get to our promise. So let's see what happens. In Joshua 3, 2 through 4, it says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. And then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So the ark of the covenant, it's mentioned here seven times in this chapter of scripture. And it's a special piece of furniture from the tabernacle. It symbolizes the presence and the power of God. And when the ark, it was in the Holy of Holies, the actual glory of God rested upon it, and it was the dwelling place of God. So to the Israelites, it represented God's presence in their midst. And so the officers went around, and they gave orders to the people, and this is what they basically said. Watch God. When God moves, you move. When God stops, you stop. When God goes right, you go right. When God goes left, you go left. When we need direction and guidance, we have to be sensitive to the movement of the Lord in and around us. And we have to be willing to give up our own ideas and our own ambitions and the things that we think will get us across the river. Our hearts have to be tuned in to his timeline. I love that the basic answer to these 2.5 million people was, look, if you want to make it across one of the hardest obstacles of your life into the biggest promise that you'll ever receive, that you'll ever understand, and you, and, you, and you want this for your family, then watch God. Go where his presence goes. That's what you do if you need direction, if you want to go into your promise. Yes, thank Jesus for that. So you'll notice in verse 4, uh, the instructions say, um, stay 2,000 cubits, which is about 3,000 feet, away from the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this isn't a social distancing rule from the CDC, okay? This was because they were to stay 3,000 feet behind the Ark out of honor and respect for a holy God. Out of honor and respect for a holy God. Joshua is saying, listen, a reverence and a fear of the Lord must be in our hearts. And every time we pray, we have to remember, God is not just our buddy. God is not just a, a genie who grants us wishes. He is holy and righteous and good beyond measure and perfect and marvelous and the creator of the world. And we are just sinners saved by this unspeakable grace. And so we stand behind the Ark of the Covenant. Joshua says, don't forget that because that is the dynamic of the relationship that the Israelites had to remember as they faced the river ahead of them. If the people were overly confident that God would just do what he asked them to do and that they were in control, they weren't going to make it. But if they would stand back and, and look up to God as if to say, I'm little and you're big, so I'll follow you. I'll go where you go. You go right, I'll go right. I won't even argue with you about that. You think this is the best way, God? Then I'll go this way. And it was about this heart attitude that the Israelites had. I also, in verse 4, this is just such a treasure. It says, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. 
Now, this really jumped off the page to me when I was studying the scripture. Maybe it's because that's exactly how I feel today. I don't know about any of you, but maybe that's exactly how I feel in the middle of a global pandemic with mixed messages nearly every day from the mainstream media. Perhaps you're at a point in your life and you're saying, look, I've never been this way before. Like, I've never had to figure this out. I don't know what to do because I've never even been in this situation. Maybe you got a new role at your job for the first time in your life. Or maybe for the first time in your life, you don't have a job. Or, or maybe it's a relationship. A relationship has, you're at a new impasse that you've never experienced before. Maybe a new one is starting or an old friendship is ending. Or maybe it's a parenting stage. You're finally out of diapers. Or, or, or you're finally an empty nester. Whatever it is, you may have never been this way before. But God already has been this way. You may not know, but God does. You may not know what the way looks like, but God already has. And the advice that we find in the scripture is, listen, participate. Move when God moves. Stop when God stops. He has gone this way before. He knows the way. He has gone the way before. You don't have to worry. All right, so Joshua 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, the word consecrate, it means to prepare. It means to prepare yourself spiritually for what is next. Do what you have to do so God can do what he is going to do. Position your mind in expectation. Position your body in anticipation. Position your heart to receive. In my mind, I picture it like a track athlete in a starting block. Okay, starting blocks are these devices that athletes put their feet into so they don't slip. The, the blocks, they enable sprinters to be at an efficient posture, posture and, and isometrically preload their muscles so they can start powerfully and increase speed capability. As soon as the starter shoots the gun for the race to begin, the athlete powers out of that block. If, if one athlete is in one lane and one is in another and one has a block and one doesn't, the one with the block has the advantage. They are ready. They are ready to power out as soon as it's time. And I believe in my mind, this is what Joshua is saying to us. Consecrate yourself. Get into the starting block spiritually. Get ready. So when God says go, you are all set up to run into the promises of God. You are ready. You're waiting for him to say go and you're not going to move till he says move. But you are ready. You are set up. You are in a posture of anticipation. I had to ask myself this week, how many things have we missed because we weren't ready for God's move. How many times were we not expecting, we weren't looking, and maybe we missed an opportunity that God had all set up? So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself today, because tomorrow, God's going to do amazing things. In the scripture, it was literally the next day. But I think in our life, when we are waiting, when we are stuck, when we are praying for the same thing and nothing seems to be budging, sometimes we tire of, of staying in the ready position. 
Anybody with me? Sometimes. Sometimes you think, well, I'll just, God's obviously not going to do this, so I'll just go sit in the stands till he's ready. I'll drink my cooler, you know, I'll just sit back and relax, and I'm not going to stay here and get ready. In fact, if I was going to take some creative liberty here, perhaps some of the Israelites maybe scoffed at Joshua's speech. Okay, Joshua, you've been saying tomorrow for 40 years, <laughs> right? So tomorrow, hypothetically tomorrow, or like really tomorrow? You know, like you, like you tell me to pack up all my things and get ready, and yet we're waiting here and we're camping and we're camping. And when will, will tomorrow actually be the day? In fact, tomorrow feels like every day. The promised land has been a long time coming, and the people had a choice. Do they live in faith, and do they stay in the starting block? Do they stay in position before God, or do they give up, sit down, tap out, and tire of the waiting? And we have that choice, too. Now, I don't know when tomorrow is for the prayer that you've been praying. I don't know what day God will do the amazing things, but we do know this. Tomorrow's provision is always tied to today. Tomorrow's provision is always tied to today. Tomorrow's breakthrough is always because of the posture and the position that we put ourselves in today. And I believe Joshua knew that truth and he said, listen, get in position. He might have been thinking, God told me tomorrow, it better be tomorrow because I'm telling these people tomorrow, you know? <laughs> so let's go. But stay in position because if it's not tomorrow, then it's the next day. And if it's not the next day, then it's the next day. And if it's not the next day, then it's the next day because God says, I will do amazing things. Watch me and I will do amazing things. And that's why I say to you today, consecrate yourselves. Get ready. Get ready, because provision and breakthrough and amazing things are coming from the very presence of God. So let's skip down a few verses into this scripture, Joshua 3.15. It says, now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarinth. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. When it looks like there is no way, God has already worked upstream to make a way. When the people were camping, I love how it says, a great distance away. You know why God said that? You know why that's important? It's because when the people were camping, they couldn't see that the river was stopped flowing. It says it was a great distance away. In fact, uh, I was thinking the people in the city of Adam, where the, the, the stream was swelling, were probably thinking, what's happening here? Like, we're getting all flooded out everywhere. You're like, what's going on? They had no idea that what God was doing in their city was for a group of people that were downstream. <laughs> That's a whole nother sermon, okay? But they're watching a miracle. They're watching a miracle happen right before it, and they don't even know it. And I, this is just so amazing because the scripture is so full of promise that God works outside of our frame of reference. 
He works outside of our practical solutions. He works outside of what we're seeing happening. He works ahead of us. He works out of our time, and he works making a way. So I don't know, where is your answer to that prayer you've been praying for direction and guidance? Where is the clarity on what your next step is? Well, it's upstream somewhere. All right? Maybe you don't see it yet, but it is upstream somewhere. He's already doing it somewhere upstream, out of your frame of reference. Maybe you can't see it, but won't he do it? And that is what this scripture is explaining to us as it gives us these details. So we see in the scripture, as soon as the feet of the priests touched the water, the water began to split so the land could become dry for them to cross. And the people prayed for this moment. They wanted to cross into the promised land. And we see, in order to see the fulfillment of their long-awaited prayer, they had to participate. They had to move in the direction of the prayer. They had to put their foot in the water for the water to split. They didn't just wait on the edge. When it splits, I'll go. Listen to the implications of this. When it splits, I'll go, Lord. And Lord says, no, 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 you got to put your foot in for it to split. You have to participate in the prayer that you've been praying for it to split. You have to put your foot in the water. And that is a critical part of answering this 40-year agonizing, persistent prayer. You know, nearly every miracle in the life of Jesus involved participation. When Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding, he told the people, go get jars full of water. They had to move. They had to, they had to do something. They had to move in the direction of their prayer. When we're praying for restoration and broken relationships, we have to move our feet in that direction. Listen, don't wait for them to call you. We have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to say we're sorry. We have to be willing to say that we maybe weren't fully right. We have to move in the direction of the prayer. If we're praying for financial freedom, we have to move our feet in that direction. We have to tithe and give and quit spending on frivolous things. We have to say to the Lord, we won't be greedy about what we need, and then God will bring the financial freedom. If we're praying for health and wholeness in our body, we have to quit the 3 a.m. Taco Bell Nacho Grande's three nights a week. Okay, he's a way maker, but come on. Like, you have to move in that direction. You have to move your feet as you move your prayer. I'm speaking to myself, I'm preaching to myself, all right. <laughs> I'm also getting booed again. <laughs> Participation, we have to move in the direction that we're praying. I wanna invite a great man of God up here today uh, to share with you a testimony of this very thing. I know you're gonna be encouraged. Jeff, would you come up? The same truths in the Old Testament hold fast today as we come to God in prayer. Good morning. So, uh, hopefully I can get through this. Great preaching, Nicole. So, uh, the Bible says that the test, or uh, I'm sorry, they say, <laughs> here we go. They overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. So, I'd like to share a testimony with you this morning to encourage us in this teaching and in about prayer. So uh, about 30 years ago, a little over 30 years ago, um, I went to work for a little company called Frontier Lumber. And I was working for a CPA firm out of Northeast called Gorzinski, Felix, and Gleckler. And I would go to Frontier uh, once a week, and I just did basic 
bookkeeping um, service for them, payroll, invoicing, miscellaneous stuff. And so after doing that for about three months, once a week, the owner came to me one day and he said, hey, Jeff, I'd like to offer you a job to come to work here full time. And um, I was very happy where I was at. I was learning a lot. I was young in the accounting field. I'd just gotten out of college and I was learning a lot. And I told him that and he says, well, why don't you come learn the lumber business? So I said to him, I will pray about that. Now, I did have one advantage. I knew it was a very solid financial company, and I knew that he paid his people very well. So that helped. But I was very happy at the accounting firm. So I'd go there once a week, and the following Thursday, I'm praying, family's praying. And uh, I said to God, I said, I don't know what to tell this guy whether I should take this job or not. And God spoke to me as clear as he ever has in my entire life. And he said, Jeff, I want you to take this job. I'm going to bless you there. That was a little over 30 years ago. About 17 years ago, in 2003, that same owner came to me as he was nearing retirement, and he said to me, Jeff, I'd like to sell you this company. I said, I'm definitely going to have to pray about that one. And so Tracy and I prayed. We sought the counsel of several people from this church, and, and everybody said, Jeff, we really see you doing that. So we jumped in with both feet, and in August this year, it'll be 17 years ago, that we purchased Frontier Lumber. Back in 2014... So about six years ago, we began to face some very serious financial struggles at Frontier. The economy was down. Um, there was not many housing starts taking place. Um, some of our customers were paying us extra slow, and we were beginning to have trouble paying our bills on time of the payment terms that our customer or our suppliers had set up for us. So in the midst of that, our inventory levels that would normally range from about a quarter million to a half a million dollars, uh, depending on the time of the year, and with cash flow issues, sometimes it was extremely difficult to carry and to maintain the inventory levels that we needed to carry. So this became a very stressful time. It became a very tough time, a very difficult time, a hard time, and a very frustrating time for me uh, in our business. There's a scripture in Matthew where Jesus says this, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. His promise is that if we come, he will give us rest. And Nicole shared with us another point in Jeremiah where it actually says that same truth about rest that comes when we position ourselves. So that's what I did. I took Jesus up on his invitation to me, and I went to him every day over this major challenge in our life. Some days he and I would spend many hours together and some days maybe only an hour or so. But I would pray, I would intercede, I would worship, I would listen to him, I would read his word and meditate on his word. The greatest thing that happened in that season of time to me was how my relationship with Jesus Christ grew deeper and deeper and more intimate every day. I kind of think that was maybe his goal all the way along. I had my goal, he had his goal. But I can tell you this, I wouldn't trade that time for anything. I wouldn't ask for it again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. So in the midst of that, um, I wrote out a four-page prayer list, and I went to the Lord regularly. And back in February of 2014 is when that started. And I began to, I prayed that every day. And to this day, I still pray these prayers. And I'd like to share a few of those prayers that I prayed with you just to give you an idea of the battle and, and the intensity of what I was going through and the promises of God's word that I was standing on. So the first one is this, Father God, I know that you work all things for my good because of my love for you. So Lord, my trust is in you to turn Frontier's financial situation around for our good and for your glory. You recognize that as Romans chapter eight. 
Jesus, I thank you that I am more than a conqueror through you, that you give me more power, more strength, more faith than I need for Frontier to be successful and victorious in this difficult situation. Romans 8, 37. Shout for joy to the Lord. I choose to worship you with gladness. I come before your throne with joyful song, and I am reminded that you made me and that I am yours. I will enter your gates with praise, and I will come and give thanks to you and praise Jesus' name, for the Lord is good, and his love and faithfulness is forever. I'm going to insert here in my journal that I would keep, I wrote this on June 19th of 2014. I wasn't going to share this originally. My life is not normally an open book, but I felt like God wanted me to share this with you all. So here's what I wrote in my journal, June 19, 2004. Lord, why is this battle going on for so long? So hard, so difficult. I must focus on God's word, his promises of victory. I will not speak of, nor let the enemy hear me whining, complaining of the difficulties, or me giving up. This only encourages the devil to not give up. So I will speak truth. I will speak God's word and my victory and my confidence and my trust and of my faith and my hope in God's perfect plan. Continue to pray. Father, your word says that I should ask and it will be given to me. Knock and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and he who knocks, the door will be opened. Thank you, Father, for opening up the door of abundance for Frontier. Luke chapter 11. Father, you promise whoever sows generously that they will reap generously. Thank you, Father, that by your grace we've sown generously into your kingdom. And by your promise, we will reap generously as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And finally, the last verse I'll share with you. Jesus, you said I should always pray and not give up, so I shall be persistent in prayer, and that you will bring justice to me, your chosen child, and it will come quickly, and you will find faith in me because I have faith in you. Luke chapter 18. Pastor Nicole's preached on that scripture last week, the persistent widow. God's divine intervention did not come immediate for us at Frontier. I believe God allows tests and challenges us to come challenges to come into our lives that will cause us to go to him that we might partner with him in a greater way. It was a long hard-fought battle with some mountains and valleys along the way. We struggled for about 2 years financially and finally began to see breakthrough in 2016. God is faithful. He opened up doors of opportunity, brought additional staff that helped to bring growth. In my journal, I recorded this. 2016 was a great year. 2017 was an amazing year. Then 2018 was off the charts. We were up 30% in sales from previous year. And then 2019 was even more better with more sales and a greater net income in that process. The Lord threw open the floodgates of heaven for us. Our prayers were answered. So now here we are in 2020. 2020 was looking to be a great year. Our projections were even more increase and more growth. And then coronavirus hit. But praise be to God, we have been able to be open through this whole situation, this whole shutdown. Who'd ever thought that lumber and building materials were life-sustaining things for, for our communities? But 
Praise God. Uh, but all of that to simply say is we had an amazing year, and as we're almost at the middle of this year of 2020, half over, our sales are only 2% less than our banner year of 2019. God is faithful. So today I testify to you, our God is an amazing God, as you know. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our trust and certainly worthy of our prayers and intercession. So don't give up. God is faithful. It is my hope and prayer that we would see our faith as a church family growing through the testimony of God's faithfulness. First Chronicles 16.8 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make his deeds known among the people. And finally, Psalm 107 verse 2 says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. Our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father, and he is faithful. All right, so if none of that got you excited this morning, first check your pulse, but secondly... I saved maybe the thing that is blowing my mind the most for the very end. So get in your starting block. <laughs> One of the most fascinating things about this passage in Joshua 3 is it is careful to define where it happened. It's a detail you could overlook easily if you're just reading through, but it says it was just opposite Jericho. 1,400 years after two and a half million people crossed the Jordan River, in the same spot in the river, Jesus himself was baptized. The baptismal site of Jesus was at the place opposite Jericho, where the people crossed the Jordan River. So the presence of God that was once carried across, symbolized in the Ark of the Covenant, was foreshadowing someday Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, would be in the water in that moment, participating on the call of God in his life. Won't he do it? <laughs> The word of God says, pray unceasingly and participate faithfully. Stand with me today. I want to pray for you as we go. Father God, we come before you. Lord, help us move our feet in the direction of our prayer. God, help us participate. Help us be in posture in a ready position, Lord. Help us participate as we pray because we have seen your goodness. We have seen your faithfulness. And Lord, we have every reason to trust you. And so this morning, I pray we would go full of faith, full of just anticipation to be in the posture of moving in your direction. We trust you. We know that tomorrow you will do amazing things. And we wait for those things in every tomorrow. And God, it's in your awesome name I pray. Amen. Have an awesome Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. 
You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.